Bokker Tov, good morning, and we are learning today. We're now in the next stage of our le- crash course in, um, in the, the Jewish lifestyle, and our, our learning takes us towards the next section, which is bris. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to, to, to thank the sponsor of our series, Suri Stern, and also to wish her a mazel tov of becoming a, a, a grandmother this last week. And Be'ezran uh, Hashem, this, uh, this, this little one should bring Nechama and Yeshua to Kal Yisrael. Be'ezran Hashem, it's a special week for baby to be, uh, to be born. Um, two yard sites, but now it's also going to be remember, remembered as a time of, of light sprouting at times of darkness. Be'ezran Hashem. Um, we look forward to many great things. Many, many wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. What, what do we have a name yet? Hallel Rus. Hallel Rus. Beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Lots, lot, lots of thanksgiving to be, to be, to be given. But Ezra Hashem, we look forward to seeing that place marker grow bigger. But Ezra Hashem, let, let us learn Torah together. So on the, on the topic, we've now moved from birth to Shalom Zachar to and Simchas Bas, that Shabbos space, to now the bris. This shear is much more complicated because as opposed to the previous two things where there are scattered halachas all over the show and framework, when it comes to this, there is a significant amount of halacha when it comes to a bris milah. And there's an area in Shulchan Aruch which is called Hilchos Milah. Right, so it's in Reish Samach to Reish Samach Vav in Shulchan Aruch, in Yardaya. And when one learns this in Smecha, this is a limud which takes a number of months to go through if you want to do this properly. It takes learning the 19th parak of Meseches Shabbos, Rabbi Leza de Miller, which relates to one of the more complicated aspects of Miller, which is Bris Milan Shabbos. So it's a very significant learning. However, what we're going to do is we're going to do it from the other way around. <clears throat> As opposed to saying, what does the halacha say? And go through it piece by piece. Because there's a lot of things which are perhaps beyond our pay grade um, as pedestrians, so to speak, meaning to say specifics about the knife and specifics about sickness and those kind of things are not what we're going to be focusing on. We're going to do it from the, the we'll call the consumer end, which is things that, that we would affect us as we approach this. So what I, w- the way I try to always work these things is ask questions that people would, would ask, and then let's, uh, let's uh, let the users as access points. So the first question is, is why do we need to do a bris? And the, uh, the, uh, the answer is very simple and very obvious, and that is because the Torah tells us so. Um, <clears throat> the Torah tells us twice about a bris, one as a description and the other one as a commandment. The description about it is found at the end of Parshas. Where is, where is, where is our first bris opportunity? Lech Lecha, the very end of Lech Lecha, before Avram Avinu has his name change, his Sarai, his Sarai has a name change, uh, the name change, there's a promise of children, there's a promise of the land of Israel, then Avram Avinu is told, you and your children are going to have a bris miller, and he has a bris miller at the ripe age of 99. 99. The first person who has a bris miller at the age of 8 days old is Yitzhak, yes, okay. week, the next week parish, which is Vayera. However, that's not the reason why we keep bris miller, because that became an Abrahamic tradition, but that is not mandated universally for the nation of Israel. Where it is, is in the beginning of Parashas Tazria, where the second Pasuk says, um, and the Torah tells us, So when a woman gives birth, then she have a child, the Torah tells us on the eighth day, for a male child, you will circumcise the skin, the flesh of his foreskin. That's what the Torah says, and that's the reason why we do it. So that's the, really the be-all and end-all. However, as we know, 
that we try to understand why it was that Hashem commanded us as a time, as a taste. This does not mean to say that any reason that is, that is given will now control and therefore regulate how we're going to do it. So we're not going to use the reason as a limitation um, of, of, the, of the idea, but it will certainly help inform us and enrich the, uh, the experience. So there are a lot of ideas as to why that is. As an example, one idea is the Sefer HaChinuch. The Sefer HaChinuch, when counting the mitzvahs, he counts the first, the second mitzvah in the Torah as Brismillah, because he counts by the parashiyos, and he slots in Brismillah in Parashas Lech Lecha, which is where Avraham Avid is told about it. So it's the second mitzvah that he counts in the Torah, where he says, he calls what's called the Shorshea mitzvah, which are the roots. How do you understand this mitzvah? He says, you, this is the moment of distinction. Why? Because really humanity was supposed to serve God. And there was given a very clear binary option as to how to serve God. You're going to want to do this, but don't do that. I want you to do, I want you to do, the, do something else. I don't want you to eat that tree. All other fruit eat, not that fruit. That was a, a we'll call universal challenge. All of humanity was in the, in the same boat. And all of humanity were two people at that point in time. However, humanity um, um, took the alternative route and, uh, and, and therefore en entered into a new phase where God was we'll call it plan B of reality. And there was something which was lost. Humanity, in a certain sense, lost their, uh, their ability to fully be chosen or be the, uh, God's, uh, God's uh, um, ultimate creation until somebody decided to prove themselves that they were willing to listen. In fact, just in, in, case, in case you're wondering, the way that Sassemus understands it is, what was the prerequisite for? What gave Avram the credence to be the one to, to hear that? Sassemus says that that call was out for all of humanity. Avram Avinu was the only person who listened. Meaning there was, there was an aura in the world that God said, I want, to, I want there to be an immigration to this, this special land. There was only one person who had the radio set on, and that was Avram Avinu. So he was willing to, to, to hear that call. And there afterwards, there were a number of direct you know, mandates that he had to take care of, which was a very, very difficult, culminating in you know, ultimately the Al-Qaeda was one of the most significant mandates that he had to, he had to um, somehow uh, manage to do. And, and this, uh, the, the, this was the life that he led. The way that it's understood in, 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 in spiritual thought is that Avraham Avinu, in a certain sense, reclaimed, he reclaimed the uniqueness of what humanity as a whole had had at the beginning. So what humanity was supposed to be as a whole was now chosen by a specific, per, a specific person. And that is the same thing with land as well. It used to be that the entire world was the space of God. But what happened was is that, that it lost its, it's lost its uniqueness until when there was a chosen human being, it, along with a chosen human being came a chosen land. Those two concepts, by the way, today are very hard for everybody else to understand. Right? All, all, everything that's going on right now is why do you think you're chosen as a people? Why do you think this land is special as a land? Those, those questions about the uniqueness of, um, of, of Aram and his, his progeny and the land as opposed to every other land, are clearly obviously on the forefront of the focus of every country now, even though it should really not make a difference. There are many more people being killed in other places, and there's many other things that are going on concurrently, but apparently everybody seems to um, notice about this. So Aram Avinu becomes the chosen one. So in order to facilitate this, it says, says, says the Sefer HaChinuch, HaKosh Baruch Hu says, I'm going to give a demarcation to you that you will be distinct, because you're no longer the rest of the flock. You've, you've, you've now emerged, you've chosen to be, to be part of this, uh, the, this, this destiny. So I'm going to give you a distinguishing mark. So the bris therefore, is an expression of chosenness. It's an expression of 
difference and uniqueness as well. It is interesting that the Bnei Yishmael, that, um, that, that, that the Arabs do also have this in a, also which makes you know, sense because they are also vying for the chosenness. I mean, they were invented much later on, right? When they, when they copied Judaism and pagan religions in the Arabian Peninsula. But be it as it may, they adopted things which also give them, so to speak, the re- replacement mark of, of uniqueness. That's what the Sefer HaChinuch suggests is, is, uh, is number one. Another possibility is, another idea as to what the Bris Midah is a Midrash in, in a, a, a very famous Midrash, but to me is always a very meaningful Midrash, is the Midrash Tachuma in Parashat Tazriya, um, paragraph Parashahe, which describes a conversation which is had between two colleagues, um, Turnus Rufus and, to which his name was Tinius Rufus, um, the, the, the Roman procurator of the province of Judea, and Rabbi Akiva. Um, this must have occurred in the, uh, at the beginning of the second century of Common Era, where Turnus Rufus asks, him um, a question which says, So he says, whose actions are um, better, the human beings or the Almighty? Now, um, expecting the firm answer, Rebekah Kiva should have said, of course, God, God Almighty creates wonderful things. But Rebekah Kiva says, human beings. So he says, I don't understand. Why, why don't you say God, God created this entire universe it's much more powerful than the human being. The human being can't control the temperature and, you know, four by five, um, feet and uh, God's got the whole world and universe all in equilibrium. How do, how do you uh, how do you account for that? So Rebekah says, well, what's better is wheat or bread better? So obviously bread is better because it has been processed. So the Tanis Rufus then says, you know what? You're right. That's that. What I was asking was specifically this issue. I was about to ask you about Bris Miller because here you have the perfect human being is born. It's fantastic, and we say, God, just one little adjustment. I'm going to just sort of fix things up for you here. And so that 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 how, how could you? How could you impose, improve, change, adapt the, the, um, the, uh, the actions of God? The answer is, is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not create a perfect world, as Rabbi Akiva explains it. He created an almost perfect world. And he is partnering with us, leaving the imperfection for us to complete, to, uh, for us to take it to the next level, to process, to make it into the next stage of perfection. The first thing we do when it comes to a young male's life is to start the process of saying, this is going to be the rest of your life. It's going to be finding places which require processing and require fixing and do it. That seems to be the, the, the understanding of this. It is worthwhile noting um, as, as these things go. Rabbi Kiva seems to win most of these arguments, but ultimately he gets killed by them. So, it's, uh, you know, the Romans have different ways of winning arguments. But um, intellectually and for the rest of all, hum- all of, uh, of our history, we know that Rabbi Kiva won this argument even though they killed him. But there are a number of other makhlaiks between Rabbi Akiva and Tarana Surfus, which are worthwhile noting as well. The Gomorrah Baba Basu Dafiyot also has a dispute as to why there are poor people in the world in a very fatalistic way. Tarana Surfus says, you see, God must hate poor people because he left them poor. Rabbi Akiva says, no, Akash Baruch Hu made them poor in order for us to help them. Which is the same, again, the same argument, which is, why is there imperfection in the world? The answer is, to do something about it, not to fatalistically blame. That, anyway, so that, those are the, that, that kind of worldview is, is the Jewish worldview. We don't look at the world as a static, imperfect space, but rather an inviting, an invitation into, to, 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 to change it. And that's, the, and that's another reason, perhaps, for His Bruce Miller. Yeah, very. Yeah, so there, there was, yes, yeah, so there's a... Yeah, so there was there was a, there, were, there was an element of a silver lining, but ultimately, unfortunately, they they, they killed Rebekah the, the the Roman side. So they didn't uh, mm-hmm. try teaching 
But anyways, a third idea is very fascinating. The Gemara in Menachos, um, there's many other reasons, I've just I've chosen three to focus on the Gemara in Menachos stuff. Mem Gimel on base tells us a very interesting Gemara where it describes that when David Menach went into the base of America, it's into the wash house, and he says, and he noticed himself standing naked. He says, He says, I feel naked um, of any commandments, of any Torah commandments around me. What should I do? After he noticed that he had a bris mila, then he was calmed as well. And uh, and he says, and he composed a a uh, um, a a song about it, and and that's why it's in Tilim Yud starts with Lamanatzech ala Shminis Mizmor David. Okay, so the the twelfth Mizmor in Tilim is about bris mila, and it was after the, this moment where David Melech um, noticed this. By the way, go back to now Tilim Yud and see how that relates. Homework for homework for later. So now the, the strange thing about this Gemara is it seems like a little bit of a like obvious biological fact, right? It's not, it's not this is not rocket science, David Amalek, that you suddenly you suddenly figured out that uh, that there's a Bris Miller and therefore you're not alone. And so so uh, there's there's a beautiful beautiful comment I came across in the Sefer Tami Menagim quoting Rabbi Baruch of Bush, who says that what was going on over here whenever whenever the, the Gemara talks about base of base or base like going to the bathroom. The, the, it doesn't mean to say going to the bathroom. What it means to saying is, is going to the emotional, psychological bathroom, which is where you, where, where, where you discharge, where you unclothe your, yourself emotionally. And you, and you do the work necessary to reject the parts that are, to discharge the parts that are not necessary, which are holding you back, which have no nu- nutrients, and to, and to maintain to all, for your health that which is necessary. That's what the process really is. If you read through like Evan Schlem of the Vilna Gaon, very clear that uh, that Beis Amerchas and Beis Akitsay are a process of self-refinement. That being the case, what was David Melech doing? He was unclothing himself of every action. What he was saying to himself is, I'm going to analyze every good action that I do. Is there a place, is there a part in that which is actually altruistic? Is there, yeah, am I doing it for the right reasons or not? And when he puts, you know, every action that he was doing on the, on the hook, as so to speak, and, and he looked at it, he said, you know, it's not, it wasn't for altruism. I'm doing it because I want people to be impressed. I'm doing it because that's what people do. I'm doing it because after all, kings must do that. I'm doing it because of the accolades. I'm doing it because people need to, need to applaud me. I'm doing it because the picture will be on the front page of the newspaper or for the photo opportunity. I'm doing all these things for alter, um, ulterior motives. And David Melech found himself naked of all mitzvahs, of all commandments, of all good actions because he felt that really I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And then there was only one thing which remained. There was only one action in his life which remained that was altruistic, and that is Brismina. And you know why? Because it was done at a stage where he didn't have ulterior motives and biases, because he was eight days old. And so in a certain sense, what the Gemara is really saying is, is you want to look into, into life and sort of see where, where, where do we have pureness? Is there a possibility of altruism and doing things for the right, for the right reason? The answer is yes, but deep down. Right, it, it, uh, you have to go much further. And I believe that perhaps is that's one of the reasons why we say is perhaps with the same emotional transparency, maybe we should be able to, uh, um, to extend that to later on in life. We were able to, to, to be able to take that with us. So there's just three different reasons that are additional to, the Torah tells us we have to do it. That's why we're doing it. But additionally, there are roots, the distinctive aspect of it, which is what the Sefer HaChinuch says, the chosenness of Avraham Avinu, um, and the altruism, sorry, the, the idea of the, one's mission in life, the Torah's Rufus's misunderstanding of the fat- fatalism of life, as Rabbi Kiva's understanding of the invitation, and finally the idea of the, that altruistic point of purity as well, which is given to us by our parents. So then the question becomes, okay, so why only for the boys, right? So now you say, well, that's just physically the fact. The, the truth is, is that, but you could ask further, you could sort of 
So why did God create it that way? Right? So why did God create it biologically that it should be only that one gender has to have a bris milah? And then, and then the commandment of the bris milah. Um, not unfortunate that in some terrible cultures there is female circumcision in Africa. It's not a, 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 ter- a terrible things. But that's, that's not, not the Jewish way. But there's, there are, uh, there are, there are um, self-mutilating tribes out in Africa somewhere. But why is the Torah, why is the Torah only um, required for, for, for males? And why does Hashem facilitate it in such a way? Again, very hard to know. Okay, the, the, basic, the basic understanding is that's what the Torah says. Right, so the Torah tells us that. But, but to understand perhaps some of the reasoning, the Ramam tells us in Mori Nevuchem, in the third section of Mori Nevuchem, the Ramam actually um, talks about Ta'ameh HaMitzvahs, reasons behind the Mitzvahs. And he says, um, an interesting observation, which adds another reason to the Bris Miller, but also is very much related to this. And he says that, in fact, um, the Bris Miller is, um, is, a, is a way to do, he says, Ha'azara, me'afsid kleh ha'meshagel mikol zachor mi'balei ha'chayim. So it is to diminish one's sexual drive as well. It's a reminder that a person should be, a person should be more careful about the way they conduct their lives. You know, so what, what is the driving force in, in, in life? What, what drives everything? So you speak to different you know, schools of thought, that's all you different thing. If you speak to Freud, right, so, so, so in, in a, right, if, if you think about that, what the Ramam is saying is, is to tone it down. And here's the funny thing. The general people we have to worry about in when it comes to this department is less the women, just the way it is, right? It's that uh, 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 you know one does not hear about aggression in this area um, most of the time, ninety-seven percent of the time, except from the department of men. And so what the what the Ram is saying over here is is this is this is over here to to this is a sign for life. Is like Gosh Baruch says, I've wired you a particular way. You're going to have to fix that. You're going to have to control that. You're going to have to figure out that this is the possibility of the greatest creation in the world and also the greatest carnage in the world, as we've seen in the last few weeks as well. So this is, this is part of what it is. And that's why I specifically, so to speak, almost a harness on a very dangerous say, a section, 50% of humanity, which is, um, which, is, which, which, is, uh, which is what's to be understood as well. Another way you could see it in general is, so you, um, is, is that if you go back to the rochas of of the Birkas HaShachar is when it comes to the woman, it's Shehassani Kirtzanoi. <laughs> the woman was created a lot closer to perfection. The man needs a lot more uh, regulating, um, which is why there are more mitzvahs, which, are, which, are, which are, uh, the man has to do to sort of pull them into this, this space that they need to be. Um, whereas the woman is a lot closer to where the end goal is as opposed to um, the man. So it, all, fitting, fitting all that together, but the Raman was saying specifically related to bris as well. Then the question becomes, okay, so why the eighth day? I mean, like out of, out of all times. So the Rambam says it's, it's important to know that the, you need to do a bris middle, but the, 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 the Torah is not going to mandate it for adults for a number of reasons. For, you know, again, this is the time of This is not why we, this is, this is just an understanding of this. Um, this is, it's not going to do it when, when we're older because it's painful. And also, even let's say you, you do it older as a baby, then, the, then it's, for the parents, it's much more painful experience. Right, to, 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 to do this. I've been there bristles of three months old because of, you know, just because of medical necessity. It's much more intense. A baby who's three months old can really, really cry. And it's much more painful to, 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 to see, even in that space of two months and, uh, and, and, four, and three weeks, it makes, it makes a big difference as well. I mean, I don't understand this whole business of the 13-year-olds in, in, in some uh, of the Muslim cultures. It's just uh, it's, uh, un- unbelievable. Uh, that, that people uh, people should do this, but the Torah, the, the Rambam says, the Torah says at, uh, at the earliest time, why eight days then? 
So the, the Rambam actually says it relates to the, um, the, uh, uh, an idea we've seen in the notion of Karbanos, where it says that uh, the, the Torah tells us, Shivas that you can't have a Karban before uh, seven days. There's a certain sense of viability. The child needs to be viable, needs to be strong enough to be able to survive this. And we saw that last week, that the Shabbos might be part of that process of viability, of getting of spiritual strength in order to get there um, uh, um, as well. And if you go, that, that's the Ramam in a more rationalistic perspective. If you want to read the Maharal's work called Ner Mitzvah, which is a, his essay on uh, Hanukkah. And so in there, he talks about the dimension of eight. And that's where he goes into the notion of Eight being a specific number, which is beyond regular nature. Nature being six six dimensions, X, Y, Z, axis, two directions, and a single point in the center, which holds it all together, that being seven. And then eight is the aura around that. So be as well, that, there's a lot, lot, lot to talk about when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to eight as well. Who has the responsibility of, make, of doing the bris? This is the funny thing. You see, when the baby is eight days old, simply the baby does not have the wherewithal to be able to, um, to make that request, right? So the, the responsible party is? Father. Father. Yeah, well, actually, really, it really is the mother, yes, because you see that there was a particular incident in which one of the greatest leaders of the Jewish people almost died if it weren't for the mother. Sipora. Right, so, so the, the parents have the responsibility of ensuring that a breast happens. Now, let me just be honest, most parents do not know how to do this, so they find an agent, but it's their responsibility, right? It's their responsibility to, to do it. And in fact, at a breast miller, um, um, the, the Mohel will turn to the, the dad who's right next to him and say, please be mi ashliach, please give me agency to, to do this, and they're doing it on behalf of the parents. But let's say that they're failing that. So let's say that the, the parents are not doing their job. They did not, they, let's say they lived in a place where it was not allowed or they weren't educated enough to be able to do this. Very common, uh, unfortunately, in, in a lot of places in, throughout Jewish history. So what does one do in that situation? Upon whose shoulders does the responsibility fall? Community the answer is the community or based in. So that, that means to say that any the community representative now takes on the responsibility where the parents aren't there. And by the way, this is true not just about Bris Miller. This is true about life in general. Unfortunately, at times where parents aren't doing their jobs. And so we can all look the other way and say, well, just too bad. Or we have to step in as a community and say, we have the responsibility of taking, shouldering a little bit of that responsibility. That's the case over here. But let's say a person grows up. And at the time that they now emerge as an adult, a responsible, self, uh, self-sustaining adult, and they see that they do not have a bris miller and the community did not do their job, the parents did not do their job, then the responsibility falls upon that person's shoulders as, as, a, as an adult to take care of themselves as well. And many times this happens, you know, if you go to, to certain communities, uh, like uh, many people emerged out of the USSR, there are lots of people who came forward and had to organize and orchestrate their own bris millers. They would come forward to, to do a bris miller in their 20s, in their 30s, to be able to do a bris miller to, to really fi- finally join the tribe. And that, and, and that would be the responsibility. Failing to do so. What happens if a person fails to do so? So this is one of, as Abby mentioned last week, a mitzvah, it's one of the two mitzvahs I say, which if a person fails to do so, a person gets chorus. When would that happen? Meaning to say, what, when is that red line crossed? So the rivet would say that it's actually crossed every single day upon realization. So let's say a person comes out of the USSR, they, they, and they're not educated. They go to a program. They go to a JSS, like as it happens, you know, and why you've got a, 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 um, a track for beginners. Wonderful, wonderful program. They go and they suddenly realize, wait a second, Jews need to have circumcision. And so th- that, at that point, the responsibility clicks in. The rabbit says every single moment that a person does not do what they need to, there is a chi of chorus. That's very serious. It's an ongoing moment by moment um, responsibility. Whereas the Rambam says, no, 
the person only would incur kares if the person dies in such a state. Meaning to say, a person reaches the end of the line and did not perform what they needed to do as well. That also relates to the nature of bris milah. Is the nature of bris milah, just in, in terms of halam, we'll call it lamdas, in terms of the underpinnings of the salacha, is the mitzvah of milah a mitzvah to do the bris milah or to be circumcised? And that is a little bit of the difference over here. The Ramah says it's the mitzvah to do, and you can only say a person didn't do it if they died without doing it. But if you say it's about being in a state of, of being nimol, that is a continuous state, which is being absented when a, when a person's not doing it as well. And yes, yeah. Two points. One, we, the, the shul was very active in this year ago, where we used to sell for the Russian kids and the assignments for them, kids 13 or 14, 15 and older, that would get okay. and they would do the anesthesia, and it's very interesting. And we were very active in it in the shul. But also, the eighth day, if I recall correctly, I don't remember all the terms, but the essence of vitamin K, which is the clotting, reaches its peak on, on the eighth day, and then it settles to what it's going to be for the rest of the life. So therefore, the eighth day is when it's most potent. Fascinating. Thank you. Fantastic. Remember hearing something about that. That, that, is, that is fantastic. Now, again, these are all wonderful reasons. Ultimately, we do it because God says so, but it is amazing that a lot of these other ideas all, all coalesce together as well. Where should one make the bris? So the truth is that, is that although it doesn't say it explicitly, um, that, that one should do it in a shul, but it seems very clear from the shul Quran, the shul talks about it when he talks about kvatra and kvatrin as an example, says going into the shul. It's uh, taken as, 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 an, as for granted. There were times um, during COVID that bris minas were made in houses just because of the nature of it. And sometimes there's a person who's housebound and cannot get out. That's understandable. But um, failing such. It, 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 you know, Rabbi, I remember before we had an Arab in the five town community and it was Shabbos. Shabbos. Get the baby out. For sure. Have to be in the for sure. House. So Shabbos would be different. And Shabbos says, no, there's no way to do that. And then you bring the oil and the knife to the, to the house and that's it. Um, but, uh, but failing such, I'm saying if, if circumstances were not preventative, um, the, 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 the shul's a place to, do, to be, and that's, that's, there's a lot of halachas that relate to the lights on in the shul, things like that, that relates to the bris milah as well. So now, what happens in those instances where there's no mo'el available, and it's done as a matter of, uh, in, a, in a hospital, in many, many hospitals today? Uh, Good question, Mosh. So, excellent. So, yeah, so, so many, 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 um, uh, Circumcisions are done in hospitals, even for non-Jewish children, just because it, it's seen as a, a, as, a, as a matter of health. And, um, and so the question is, what happens if it's done in a hospital? Just a quick, quick recap for those, for those just who don't understand how the bris miller works for just a quick second, because not, not everybody is, uh, is, uh, is medically aware of, um, of these things. So um, I remember when I was, I think I must have been eight years old, you know, that was my first time I said, I'm going to go see what's going up or going, up, uh, going on on the stage, you know. That it wasn't such a pleasant experience. Um, so, uh, so, <laughs> um, so they, yeah, they, you know, they, they tell the kids to move away for a reason, right? So, uh, but be as I may, um, so, there's always one kid, yeah, <laughs> standing there staring. So it's not, yeah, it's not, that's not the place for the part, that's not for the video. So, so essentially, it's, it's an amazing thing. Is that like, uh, on, on the male genital that HaKadosh Baruch created, that there's a, 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 a extra layer of skin over the top of it. And so that layer of skin, actually, what, what, what is done in the bris miller, there's no mutilation of any limbs here. What happens is, is, that, is that what the moil will do is he'll pull that layer of skin over the tip of the limb, hold it in place with what's called a mogain, which is a clamp. So he'll slide, slide that foreskin, he'll pull it over, 
when the baby starts to cry, it's usually the cold, but what he'll do is he'll probe. He'll, he'll put an instrument in between the membrane and the limb itself, pull the membrane over the top. There's actually two layers of skin. That's what's called Mila and Priya. There's two stages. Pull it over, clamp it. So if you'll ever see, uh, the moil has a little silver clamp, which has got like a line in the center. The, it'll clamp the skin in place so that the limb is separated from it. And immediately after saying the broch, he'll slice it with a very uh, far knife, and then the, the membrane will snap back, revealing the top of, of the limb. That's, that's, what, that's what the bris is. So it takes uh, dexterity to be able to do this properly. In the hospitals, they do it slightly differently. So what do they do in the hospitals? Is have a clamp. <coughs> and the clamp um, is, is inserted between the membrane and the limb, right? So they insert it underneath the membrane, and then they tighten the clamp around the end of the foreskin. And what it'll do is it, 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 it tightens in such a way that the skin itself is separated without even blood. It's separated in such a way that it, it pulls off the skin. They remove the clamp with the foreskin on it, and the baby is circumcised. That's the way they do it in the hospitals. Okay, so um, that, that being the case, just if, uh, the, the, the deficiency in such a process is, is number one, is it's usually done too early, because when is the baby in the hospital is before, is before, uh, um, is, is usually within three days, two days. These days, you know, 24 hours. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be soon six hours. It's for the best of the mother and the child. We want to make sure they have bonding time. But anyways, um, so, the, so the, that's what they told us when they took away the nursery for the last two children, right? Bonding time. Um, so, so, um, the, so, so, now, so now it's done too early. Um, but, no, but also, the, another aspect of it, which is a problem, is it's bloodless. So you say, that's great. That's why they created it this way. So the, the problem is, is that there is an importance of there being blood, what's called hatafas dambres, that there needs to be a flow of blood. And in fact, that's seen as healthy in terms of the flow to, to avoid infection as well. Um, and so that being the case, the problem with bris miller is it's, it's the kind of thing you can only really do once. Um, no, no, no second opportunities. So let's say a baby received a, a medical circumcision and it, and it was too early. So they did not perform the mitzvah in the correct way, but the baby is circumcised. But, being as it was not done correctly, um, then there needs to be what's called a tofas dambris, which means to say that, that, that they apply a razor just on the area of the foreskin for a drop of blood to come out, and that is see, uh, as seen as to at least supplement the piece that was missing of that miller as well. So that's, that, that's usually what's done. And this happens a lot of times when it happens to, let's say, you're dealing with a person who's coming for gayrus and they were medically circumcised. So what do you do? So in that case, you, they'll do a tofas dambris with a moel, and that's sufficient, one drop of blood, and that would be sufficient to supplement the piece that was missing as well. That was, that was, uh, that was done later on. Just to just be aware of these, um, of these things as well. There's all kinds of interesting things. I remember when they came up with a new type of clamp. They came up with a clamp. A clamp. So the way it usually works with the moils is it's, a, it's really just a small little... If you go to the moils table, you can see all these things. So you, they slide the, the mogain over, the, which is the shield. Um, over, so they, they had a new one which like clamps over the top. It's got like a clip on the top to hold it in, in place. So I remember when I was learning Hilchas Miller with Rabbi Tendler, that's when I was when I was first learning this. Um, so he, he was very against it because he felt that it was more like the medical clamp was too good, that it, it would not allow, allow sufficient bleeding as well. So just so he, he was very much against those things. Again, Rabbi, Rabbi Dr. Tendler used to train hundreds of Moilim himself. Um, it's just a uh, anyway, lot, lot, lot to, uh, to learn about. Now, qu- yes, uh, Alan. I, I know the situation just recently where it's like a 30-something-year-old guy who mother is not Jewish, father is not Jewish, and he's going to Gairus.
kosher breasts, even though the boy, the baby was not Jewish, his mother's not Jewish. Yep. And the Moyle had his notes from 31 years ago, and in the notes, the Moyle wrote the shame Kairis, and he noted that there were two front people in the room, as far as Abed is concerned, and, and the, the sock was that he did not even have to blood drawn, because the bris was done back then. Fantastic, yeah, and that's very... Thank God that thank God that Samuel's on the, on, the, on that page as well. I've had those situations as well, where it's very complicated. Like let's say you have a case of surrogacy, right, which is which is um, becoming more common, which is amazing. So let's say that a couple can't uh, can't carry a child. So and and the issue, let's say, lies on on her side, so they can take the 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 impregnated um, 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 egg. And, and actually put it into a surrogate mother who will carry the child. Who becomes the mother? It happens to be a matter of debate in Allah, which is, which is a very fascinating, complicated thing. Is it birth mother? Is it, um, is, is it, is it a genetic mother? And being as that's the, uh, that's the case, generally speaking, we do a geris l'chumr in such a case. And in some cases, it's very, it's very hard for a couple, or usually the, the parents and the family. Like, how could you say that my child is not? Right, and so on. So, so, so I've been at Bristol's where that's the case. Where uh, I take the moral aside and say, listen, we're doing this Lashem Geros and appoint two other people, and then the based in signs that afterwards it's put in the documentation. Nobody ever knows about it, but that's uh, the situation because of this. Um, just uh, there's a lot, lot that goes on. Because, by the way, what's the next set of halachas in Shulchan Aruch? Geros. Geros and Mila come together, and the, all the halachas of Geros apply come here because the, the two are very much related. Now, based on a more, a more we'll call pedestrian question is um, for the men in the room do I keep my tilling on? The shach, the psychiatrist says in the Shulchan Aruch, yes, people, men should keep their tefillin on because the bris is considered an ois, a sign, and the tefillin are considered an ois, a sign as well, so they should be kept together. What is interesting, and I'll leave this for further thought, is why is that when it comes to Shabbos, we don't duplicate ois, um, ois so we don't have tefillin on Shabbos because we don't want to the signs to, con, to, to, we don't need two signs, but when it comes to bris miller, we do want two signs. I'm sure Moshe has a share on this, uh, but th 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 this is an interesting discussion. Should we? Oh, sorry, very good. So we have, so we have to get, you're right. Uh, uh, okay, good. Happens to be here, we're making the sign. But be as the may. So now, um, the, question, uh, the, the question becomes this interesting. I noticed that in some Hasidic Svarim, some Hasidic Svarim, right, that one should take off the twin. Kabbalistically speaking, something going on over there. I don't know. Again, if the shach says it, and then a kabbalistic source says something else. Generally speaking, we follow we we, we follow the what's called nigle, the revealed halacha. But I, I would just make the following comment as well: If a person is going to be in a situation where the breast is not happening immediately, and so a person has their tefillin on, and they're going to just end up talking about everything and anything, that's a disgrace to the tefillin. It's a disgrace to the tefillin for a person to be speaking direcho when tefillin on bichlal, not during davening, not before davening, not after davening. It's, one's wearing the, the, the words of God on one's head and arm. It's a, it's a disgrace to be talking direchol. So if by keeping the tefillin on, one's going to in, in, involve oneself in that, then one should certainly take it off because it's, no, it's, it's no, doing no, no, no favor for the one's tefillin. So that would be the situation. If the bris is right away, and it's in a minute when one's not speaking, people not talking, and one's not solving all the world's issues after davening with one's tefillin on, then, 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 then keep it on just for the sake of, of, of the bris as well. And if it's possible, and this sometimes it's hard, if it's the balea bris, then keep it on if you're able to. But again, it's sometimes hard just because there's so many things going on. But it, 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 there is a notion of the tefillin and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the bris being connected. What are the honors at the bris? So if you have a, a great moil, the great moil will give this to you. It'll give you a sheet of all the, the kibbutim. Um, but it is worthwhile noting, this is too quickly, blow, blah, blow, blah, blow. There's what's called kvater and kvatrin. Uh, uh, kvater means kvater, meaning like the father, like the mother. 
right? So the, 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 these are the people who escort the baby into, into shul. It's usually seen as a uh, as a, a kibbutz, which is given. It's usually tried to be given to a, a young couple who doesn't have children yet. And it's seen as a segula for Be'ezra Hashem for them to have children. One has to do this, one has to ask these kind of things sensitively because they may be at, the, at a stage in their, um, um, in, in their cycle where they can't hand things to one another. So one has to just be sensitive to these, uh, to, to, to these kind of things because one puts people in, in difficult situations, but it's a very special thing. It doesn't have to be a couple doesn't have children. It's a bracha to anybody to, to, to receive this, but that generally seems to be what people do. The next stage is the Kisah Shel Eliyahu, which is a special seat left empty in the shul that, that the baby's first put on. And then there's the sundek. The sundek holds the baby during the bris as well. It's worthwhile noting that they could slot, slot, slot in another one in there, which is called minha kisei, the person who picks up from the kisei shaliyo and gives it to the sundek. Unnecessary, but if you need extra kibbutim, that's where you can do it. Then after the sundek finishes, there could be another minha kisei, if you want to have another one. Um, but uh, then there's brachos, those are the blessings of the wine and the bris miller itself, which are said. And then there's amidala brachos, the person holding the baby, facing the person saying the brachos. Then there's a kriyas shame, giving the name to the baby, and the person holding for kriyas shame. If you count all those together, we have... Um, um, eight slash ten, depending if you take those two, those two picking up the babies from the uh, the chair as well. In terms of people that can be honored, kvatrin kvatrin can also be broken up as well. Meaning to say, it is possible that you could have uh, as an example. And I'm not suggesting this for anybody, but let's say that there's the, there's two couples, right? It could be woman to woman, man to man. It, it is it is possible to do that 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 kind of chain as well. Uh, and uh, obviously, depending on time and the and the needs. Uh, that that's sort of, sort of extendable a little bit in that, in that respect. So let's go through them quickly. What is the kisah shaliyah? So the Avodah explains that the kisah shaliyah is is put at the breast because if you read Melachim, Melachim Aleph Perek Yud Ches, when Eliyahu Anavi has just declared a famine on the earth for um, for three years, and then has a showdown at Har Carmel, and the next day he's got his head on a wanted poster because of Izevel, and he runs to the cave in. Where does he hide? Har Sinai, he goes to Sinai Peninsula, where, where Moshe Rabbeinu was on Sinai, and he and he, and, and Baruch Hu speaks to him. He says, "Kanai Kinesi, I have I, I'm searching out your I'm zealously searching out your honor, God, because the Bnei Israel do not keep the covenant, and it's understood that the covenant doesn't just mean to say the covenant is doing the mitzvahs. It means actually Brismel is castigating the northern kingdom of Israel of not adhering to the uniqueness and their calling in the world, and Akash Baruch Hu famously you know sends the the wind and the fire and the noise." And 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 Akash Baruch Hu says, I'm not found in these very powerful acts of zealotry. Uh, and and uh, Eliyahu seems to keep repeating this. And so Avodraham uh, quotes a medrash in which Eliyahu is therefore mandated to attend every single bris miller. Why? To prove to him that throughout the course of history, that the nation of Israel will keep the bris miller, and you will be there to watch. And you are the malach habris. You're going to be the escort to every bris in order to verify and ratify this. <laughs> Reminds me of a beautiful story told by Rabbi Riskin. Rabbi Riskin has a, has a, wrote a beautiful autobiography, which is a, a very, very, it's just very special. And he describes how when he used to go to the USSR um, on, on trips to, to help out Russian Jewry, uh, he, he describes one time that, that a fellow comes to him and says, uh, Rabbi, we're going to go. I need a, I'm doing a bris miller um, of my son. Can you come with me? So he says, absolutely, with pleasure. He says, but we're doing it at 2 o'clock in the graveyard. Because that was the only place that they, the, the, the KGB might not suspect and there's no cameras. So he says, I'm happy to come, but remember, I'm a coin, so I can't go into the graveyard. So I'm happy to come. So they go there, 
and you know he arrives at two o'clock in the morning. He goes through the alleyways, and they come to the graveyard, and the moel and the father go in, and 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 the, the baby cries, and they come out, and and they give him a name, and uh, Reskin turns to him and says, "Keshem shenichnas labris, can you kindness a Torah lechupa lemaizim tovi?" And the father says, "Niet, niet keshem." So he says, what do you mean? He says, I don't want it to be that my child will have to get married hiding in a graveyard uh, 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 pretending not to be Jewish. I want it to be niet kashem. And and so and 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 Rariskin famously and this is how, you know how every chapter sort of ends is this way and he says and I made the wedding for that boy twenty years later in Yerushalayim so you know as 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 it goes you know as the full circle goes but nonetheless very beautiful beautiful story but if you think about it you know what Eliyahu was there too to say you know what in the graveyard at two o'clock in the morning under the USSR we're still doing it that's that's the Malach Abris of Eliyahu Anavi to, to put, put things in perspective. Um, Sandek. Sandek is seen as a very special, it's the highest keyboard over here, which obviously means to say the highest amount of tension. Um, so um, why is it seen as the highest, uh, the highest keyboard? The Shulchanot describes, quoting the Maharil, who explains that it, that, that, that it is seen as a person, as the coin is maktir katoris. It's seen as a sacrificial act. In fact, if you look at the biragra and the Shulchanot, throughout the halachas of Mila, you'll see the, the uh, Vilnagot time after time after time will equate the bris to an act of a korban in the base of Middash. Obviously, there is an element of sacrifice and a sharp knife and blood, right? But if you think about it from the perspective of parents, it's very sacrificial. This is the time we want to be in the house, nobody touching our baby, nobody, nobody, nobody doing anything. There we go. We hand over this child to some, some, some fellow who in public is going to be doing all these kind of things to our children. It's a very unnatural experience. And it's seen as very much sacrificial. And in a certain sense, the Sandek is seen as the coin who's, so to speak, holding or facilitating that. And the bringing of Katoris is seen as something which is associated with great Segudas. Segudas for wealth and also Bracha in general. Which is why, Chadoshim Katoris, uh, the Gemara tells us that the same coin could not perform the Katoris another time in their entire lifetime. Only, the coin would only get this one time in their lifetime to be able to have the privilege of bringing the Qataris, which is why in Halacha, the, a, a person should not be the Sandek twice within the same family. Within the same family as well, it should not be the same uh, Sandek as a function of this. It can be the same Sandek for cousins, but not siblings, um, um, as I said. What are the brachas which are said? So there are two brachas said right around the Mila itself. One is, Asher Kirishon Sivonu Al Hamila. Which is the Hashem you command us to do the Mila, that is said by the Mohel. He says that immediately before. So, just in case, if you ever want to be at the next verse and take a look at how this works, you will say that when the, um, um, when the, the Mohel says this bracha, you'll notice he's holding the knife right by the clamp, right by, right by the margain, um, the, by the shield, and the minute he finishes, he slices down. When he's finished that bracha, the brill is done, it's finished, it's, it's immediate. Then comes the father and says, that you allow us to bring us into the covenant of Abraham. That's said already when the bris has happened. Okay, the bris is already finished before, before the father starts that bracha. Um, but um, you just understand the, the speed of things over here. All the work is done before, till the point that it's, uh, it's done before. The question that's asked is, wait a second, how could you say a bracha after the act? Usually you have to say the, all, the, all the brachas before you do it. So there's many answers which are given. One is it's simply not possible to do both um, <laughs> before. But the, 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 another answer is that the second bracha is more of what's called a birkas hashevach, where we're praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the possibility and opportunity of having this, this rather than 
for being in a state of being nimble rather than the mitzvah of actually doing it as well, which is why it said afterwards, like we say, bracha on lightning, after that we see the lightning, not before the lightning happens, um, as, as an example. Then, um, what, what, is the what is the responsibility of the assembled crowd? So the first thing is just to keep quiet. Um, <laughs> it's amazing how many bristles you have to <laughs> remind people that we're not here to see each other. Um, so, but, but nonetheless, the, 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 the Shulchan Aruch tells us that everybody should be standing. Now, you think you're standing at the end of Shul, right? But really, one should be standing because there's a mitzvah being performed and there's a certain element of respect that is shown by, by standing around. Um, but also, when they hear the Father make that bracha, they respond with the following statement. This statement d changes depending on if you are an Ashkenazi or from the Eidut Mizrach. The Ashkenazim of, uh, uh, have the, uh, the tradition to say, As this child has become a Jew by entering into this covenant, he should enter into all other main important stages of life. Good. Um, however, the Sephardim have a different text, which is based on actually a Tosos at the end of Rebbe Yezdu Milak of and also based on the Ramam's Nusach, which is, Keshem she hichnastoi lebris, ken tizke lachnisla la Torah le mitzvot le chupa le masim tovim. And the, what is the difference in that language? What is that referring to then? Good, the bracha is on the parents, which means to say, as opposed to the Ashkenazim who are blessing the child. Just as this child entered bris, he should enter the Torah, the Chupa, the Masim Torah, this child should be blessed. But when it comes to the, the, the Sephardic idea, it is a blessing to the parents. Like you had the privilege of bringing this child to the bris, you should have the privilege of escorting them to all these important stages in life as well. Very beautiful blessing, especially for grandparents to hear that. That's a very special bracha to be had. We should all be healthy enough to be able to, to, to do that in the next stage as well. So that's the, the, the shift of who the, the, we'll call the object of the bracha is when said is, it should be noted as well. Now, an important question is, is there the bracha of Shehechiyano? And the truth is, it depends again on Nusach. Among the Sephardim, yes. So the Sephardim, you'll notice, you, you, this is, the Ashkenazim usually interrupt the father at this point, because the father will say, and everybody says, Kish, and then they'll say, Shh. It's amazing we re reach this point. What a special privilege. The Ashkenazim don't. Why don't we do it? So the main, there's many reasons given. The main reason is because the child's crying. On the one hand, it's, it's a very special moment in life for you, dad, mom, but the baby's crying. So we're not going to, so, so we, we, the, the bracha is, is, is pulled away at that point. Now we don't talk about the Sheikh Yana as well. Um, there's, after everything is said and done, there's another two sets of bracha, two brachas. One is on the Geffen. You'll notice that one appears at every meridian in life where we're moving between what's called Kodesh and Chol, already Chol and Kodesh. Anytime we're trying to separate what could be a mundane activity from a spiritual activity where there's spirituality infused in a physical, in a physical experience, there, the wine appears. So Shabbos is, is bookended by wine, right? We, we sort of say this could be a regular Saturday where we just drive around like we do and just check our phones all day long. But now instead, we're, we're, this, is, this is a unique space. So we distinguish it by wine on either side. Whereas um, when it comes to, as an example, wedding, right? So this could, be the, 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 this could just be the beginning of a physical relationship between two mammals. Um, or this could be something divine. This could be a uh, the, this could be the moment where now there's going to be a a the and we distinguish that by saying there's a bracha on wine. Now we have a child who's entering into the Shavuot. This could just be another child running around the world. But no, we've given a son a uniqueness to this child. This child should be special. There's holiness imbued in this process as well. There's wine. Once again, wine is obviously that thing 
in the world which does not deteriorate with age, but uh, but improves with age, uh, which has a spiritual quality to it as well. Then it's followed by a bracha, which is Asher Kiddush, Yedid Mbetu Nuchot Bishar HaSom, it says, Al-Khas Ambayis Kodesh, Al-Kem Yitzchar Zos Kelchayin Tzorenu, Tzavela Atzil Yedidus Sherim Yishachas, Lemam Briswa Asher Osom Yitzorenu, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thank you for allowing us to give the Briswa Minister this child, which is going to be a, 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 a salvation factor for this child. This child will be saved as a function of having this bris, and then the, 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 the bracha is finished. There's a debate as to when the wine is drunk, um, uh, uh, as to whether you wait until after the Kriyas Hashem or not, because the Kriyas Hashem is not part of the bracha. Um, Rav Shecht, I noticed, um, would drink immediately right afterwards and then fill the cup again for the Kriyas Hashem. That's the way that he would do it. And then we have the Kriyas Hashem. Why is there the, the, the name calling at the bris? And it seems to be that this child has now became a, becoming a card-carrying member of Klal Yisrael, so you give him an address now, right? So now he has a spiritual address. Before now, not so, not so simple. If, let's say, a baby is going to have to wait a while before the bris miller, there are times where one would do the Kriyas Hashem earlier, depending on the circumstances, so you can daven for the child. Um, we shouldn't have to be in such a situ situations. But um, be as it may, it's usually accompanying the bris, all things going well, uh, in the sun shining. And, uh, and that's when the, 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 the name is actually given. There's a lot of brachas which are given that as, in that as well, quoting the Pasuk in Yechezka, which we quote in the Agada, which is in the middle of the Kriyash Hashem. We say, You live in your blood, you live in your blood. That refers to two sets of blood, which is the bris, Mila, and the Koran Pesach, two sets of sacrifice, one nationalistically becoming unique and one individualistically becoming unique. And through those sets of blood, both on a national and individual level, we become special. And there's a few brachas which are added in here as well. Um, and then everybody says, Very, very, very beautiful. I will leave a, as a question, just for further thought. In this section of the Kriya Hashem, you'll notice that when it describes the, the patriarchs, it says, It quotes Yitzchak with a sin. And the question is, why? In the, it's quoting a Pasuk. Um, which differs between Tehillim and Devarim but why would it be that's Yitzchak as opposed to Yitzchak um, as quoted in this? That's not a bris related, but it's, it is it is a interesting question for further thought as well. Um, how does the ceremony end? The ceremony ends with Aleinu. Most people don't know that because they're already talking, but uh, the bris actually ends with an Aleinu. Everybody does Aleinu together. Why is the Aleinu done? Aleinu is usually done at the end of a process of tefillah. So, like for instance, every davening ends with an Aleinu. Kirsh Levana is seen as very special because it ends with an Aleinu and a bris ends with an Aleinu. Why would there be an Aleinu? One reason I saw that that, that is quoted, that Avodraham explains, is um, is because in it we say, we say, HaKosh Baruch Hu, you did not make us like the regular Gentiles. Uh, this is the moment where this child can now say that. So at this point in time, HaKosh Baruch Hu, thank you for making us unique. By the way, Aleinu starts particularistic and ends universalistic. Alkane is much more universal. The beginning is um, particularistic, and that's the aspect that we're trying to imbue when relating to this child as well. Um, who, who should get invited to the meal afterwards? The answer is no one. Um, you're not supposed to invite people to a bris, a bris meal because there's a curse associated with not, you know, not attending a bris meal, when you, uh, to a bris meal this particular sort as well. So it can be announced. You can say there is a meal downstairs, one should not say everybody is welcome to join for the meal because if a person does not do that, that's not such a good thing as well. Um, so, so people should absolutely go and there should be a minion at the meal and there should be a zimun at the end and, and in order to facilitate all the brachas which go then, but um, one shouldn't specifically, um, um, one should not specifically invite um, as well. And it is important at the meal or, um, for a few things to happen because it is a udas mitzvah, 
So first of all, then you should also have a Dvar Torah. So the, yes, there's thank yous, and the reason for the name is fantastic. There should also be a Dvar Torah. And so if, if the fathers doesn't feel comfortable, somebody else should say a Dvar Torah. There should be a Dvar Torah at the meal as well. And um, um, in addition to this, there is also, um, one should really wash hands, say, Birkas HaMazan, because at the Birkas HaMazan, there is a very special um, zimun, which is unique to a It's found um, in the Sidurim. And it includes is the phrase which keeps as the refrain in the Zimun. And additionally, there are six harachamans added at the end of the bris, which are harachamans to the, to, the, to the child, to the moil, to the parents. And, and in general, very beautiful harachamans which are gone around. And there's a, a Zimun which is done on a koi. So it's a very, very beautiful experience um, when done properly. And, uh, and, uh, and Bezer Hashem. Um, is, is a schus for all of us. We, what happens if the meal is done on Shabbos? That's an entire, entire section in Shulcharach, a very, very complicated halacha. As Suri says, I think the way you, you pointed point out before is, is, is perfect, is anything which is ancillary to the bris needs to be done beforehand, and anything necessary for the bris is done on Shabbos. So a bris is allowed to be done on Shabbos, even though you're not usually not allowed, allowed to uh, make incisions on, on, on Shabbos. Yeah, one does, because the Torah tells us that even on Shabbos, the Gemara tells us, um, but anything which is unnecessary to be done on Shabbos, so for instance, get, bringing the knife, preparing the knife, all those things, all the necessary work that needs to be done beforehand is done before Shabbos as well. This actually was a matter of debate because Rabbi Eliezer felt that was not true. He felt that that even uh, Rabbi Eliezer would feel in the town of Rabbi Eliezer, they would actually cut the trees on Shabbos to get the wood to burn the, to, to create the fire, to smelt the me- metal, to create the knife on Shabbos. That's how far he would go, meaning to say the entire process was Doich Shabbos. Rabbi Eliezer was, so to speak, voted out of Halacha. It does not exist as an opinion in Halacha, but it's worthwhile knowing in his town until the Halacha was normalized, was, um, was not, not, and not such. But today we follow that Machshire Mila do not Doich Shabbos. That's carrying the knife, preparing, and, and, and so on that there is no other alternative in halacha today. It's just fascinating. This, this is part of the process of halachic formation at the times of the Tanaim. And, and today, therefore, all the other details are done. I'll tell you a little, I'll end with a story. My, my, my bris middle was on Shabbos. It's a little hazy. I don't remember specifically. But my first son's um, um, bris middle was also on Shabbos as well. In fact, the Sunday at my bris happened to be in Manhattan. In, I, was, I, I had my bris in Cambridge. as my parents were living. In England, and it happened to be the my son deck happened to be in Hatton the day that my son was having his bris. And guess guess who came in to to, to be part of our bris was my son deck. It happened to be just be as a mess. So it's on Shabbos, and our moil was was uh, Pinchas Katzenstein of the entire Katzenstein dynasty in Washington Heights. We actually knocked on his door on Shabbos afternoon when I came back from Columbia to make sure that the next Shabbos he would you know put his put a booking because um, it's very hard to to catch moils um, especially on Shabbos. But nonetheless, so he brings his he has brings his whole attache briefcase and he puts it into the closet because that's where the knife is supposed to be and remember on that side of uh, Washington Heights I don't hold the air of the other side anyway so it doesn't make so the knife the knife is there in the in the in the in the YU base medrash and I, and comes comes Shabbos morning and I run to the closet to pick up the thing he says stop so he says he says the knife is mukta to you it's only allowed for me meaning I have the job to do the to do the miller right that's that but it's not it's not it's not for um for you anyways um, just, uh, just uh, the the, the specific, uh, specificity and the details when it comes to Shabbos are all these a lot of a lot of very interesting requirements, folks. I hope there's a little bit of an overview. There's so much more to learn, but this is just a, a sort of a, a, a general overview. Bezer Hashem, I hope it enriches and, and we, our lives. And Bezer Hashem, we should be able to have opportunity of doing this many, many times soon.